It's time now for the PDXO WASP podcast, brought to you by the Open Web Application Security Project. The views of the guests do not necessarily represent the views of OWASP, their sponsors, and other stakeholders. Enjoy the show. Our special guests today are Louis Sardin and Pone Function. Louis is an associate principal consultant at Synopsys, where he focuses on web application security. He's also an organizer for the OWASP Bay Area chapter. Check out his new Security Tea and Crumpets videos on YouTube. Pone Function is an independent security consultant. He makes popular hacking videos on YouTube. He also created a popular online cross-site scripting game where you can learn offensive techniques from basic to advanced skill sets. All of these links and more are in our podcast feed. Welcome to the Portland, Oregon OWASP chapter podcast. Today on with me is John Whiteman. Lewis Arndon and Pone Function. Lewis and Pone wrote a white paper blog post, I think it was back in October of last year around Vue.js and some interesting cross-site scripting dynamics specific to Vue. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit as well as just cross-site scripting in general. So Lewis and Pone Function, welcome to the show. You want to give us a a short little intro to yourselves? Thanks. Sure. Uh, Hi, my name is Lewis Ardern. Um, I'm an associate principal consultant at Synopsys where I primarily focus in web application security, and I'm a subject matter expert for the company in terms of modern web and also JavaScript. Right, so my name is Pwn Function. Um, I'm 23, and um, I work as an independent security consultant, um, and uh, I make videos on YouTube related to security on my free time. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it. So real quick, for those of you who have not seen Pwn Function's videos on YouTube or subscribed to his channel, highly recommend finding him on YouTube, subscribing to the channel. You may have thought that you've seen, you know, all the different ways to describe cross-site scripting and, and do the kind of intro to cross-site scripting or intro to the other OWASP top 10 topics, but Pwn Function really does make it fresh and, and those videos are well worth the work, well worth the watch, I should say. So Pwn Function, thanks for putting together that content. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I'll also say, and I don't know if you have it for some of the other topics, but Poem Function, you, you have built out some challenges, at least for cross-site scripting. So cross and uh, xss.pwnfunction.com, I think are the labs. Did you do that for a number of the different types of vulnerabilities? Uh, it's mostly just DOM XSS. Um, I didn't ha- I didn't want it to, you know, spin up any server compute and wanted to pay for servers. So I just uh, <laughs> thought of just creating DOM XSS challenges. Um, I think gotcha. they are the interesting ones because, you know, a lot of JavaScript APIs and stuff like that. So, yeah. Nice. Well, so let's let's start there. So in the, the blog post that you all wrote on Portswigger with Gareth, his, you dug into to Vue.js and it, it seemed like maybe you guys were playing golf. Do you mind talking about XSS golf and, and if that's something you regularly do, if you go golfing every Sunday, like my dad did? I pass this one to Parent Function to, to speak about. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we, we were, um, you know, uh, I think Ports, we got uh, released a cheat sheet, an updated one uh, regarding Vue.js, uh, and there were like very few payloads, like maybe three. Uh, so, I looked at it and I started tweeting more payloads uh, about it. And then Louis did the same thing, and we did it for a couple of rounds. Uh, we tried to uh, we tried to uh, make it as short as possible. Uh, code golfing, <laughs> it was fun uh, pretty much. 
uh, and then Gareth uh, created a group and called us in and then he said we gotta uh, you know try something break it open and see what's what's inside and then we were like okay let's do it for the next couple of weeks um, and uh, even in the you know, while we researched, we were kind of challenging each other and uh, getting it as short as possible. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. So let me give some backstory as well, uh, Dave, um, more around so that the kind of premise around what happened. So back in the day when I was, I guess, working at uh, while I was working with Sigital, which got acquired by Synopsys, we were doing some research into the client side frameworks for the static analysis tool that we were working on at the time uh, called JAX which obviously I guess now is part of Coverity, which again is, you know, I guess Synopsys' tool. But the kind of context there is that we were working on looking at frameworks and we were looking at things like AngularJS, which obviously has similar kind of interpolation and expression evaluation to like most other kind of client-side libraries. So I started to work on, uh, there was lots of different research performed by, you know, Gareth Hayes and uh, Mario Hedrich and Jan Horn, et cetera who were like releasing all these kind of client-side sandbox escapes. And it's a really good live overflow YouTube series on AngularJS security. If no one's actually ever seen that before, who's listening, I would definitely yeah, recommend, check re definitely check it out. Um, so that's kind of where this, I guess, my, from my experience, where it first stemmed from, that, that people were building these payloads. And then Gareth Hayes also released some additional research into basically trying to make the smallest possible payloads around AngularJS. Which basically, you know, uh, he was trying to do it from either a interpolation side of things, or he was doing it via like a DOM actual, you know, the parsing, like trying to manipulate the parsing process to be able to make the, um, it execute with inside the actual AngularJS uh, functions. So that was some really interesting research, and you know, eventually, um, um, Gareth and the Portswigger team released the cross-site scripting cheat sheet, which has like a plethora of different types of evaluation contexts. So what I did um, then was that, you know, Vue.js, there's a, there's a wonderful present, a wonderful GitHub repository called Mustache Security. It's very old now. It was released by the Cure53 team. And they basically looked at a handful of client-side uh, frameworks such as Vue.js, such as AngularJS, et cetera, at that time, you know, maybe, it, yeah, it was Vue as well. So this was probably like more than six years ago now, I believe, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe it might be a little bit shorter, but it's been... A hard minute <laughs> and uh, they've they've been uh, yeah so that, that's kind of like they were like looking at AngularJS like this is interesting and uh, Mario and his team released a bunch of research into that and then but the, the documentation on Vue.js was very plain it was like there's not like you can basically just get direct access to, to JavaScript it's not that interesting you can already call eval and you can basically execute JavaScript so they just moved on and no one ever really looked at it but as time has gone on, you know, like the Portswigger released these payloads. Um, and, you know, I looked at it as a challenge to go, okay, well, what else can we do? Because they have things like events and directives and different types of ways that you potentially can evaluate JavaScript, which ultimately could lead to cross-site scripting if this was used in, a, in an insecure way. So that's where the, I guess, the code, golf, code golfing came into play. And code golfing is essentially trying to get the shortest payload to execute JavaScript. And, you know, at one point I had the shortest payload, then Gareth had the shortest payload. And then finally, Pwn function had this most, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Like I, I was like, this is absolutely insane. 
where it was basically just using two types of, I guess, directives uh, to where it was like is equals script and then, you know, another value, which is basically a lower one, which made the, you know, we're trying, I had like a th- like a 17 character payload where he was able to get it down to like even shorter kind of, kind of thing. So like that's yeah. kind of where the, where the cold code golfing came from. And I guess that's a bit of the backstory into like why I got interested. And I guess also, you know, how it came onto Twitter and how myself and Pwn Function and Gareth all got involved in these types of things. Um, and obviously, I you know just want to obviously give a shout out to Gareth because I don't think this research would have been here without without Gareth and of course you know Pwn Function's time and dedication uh, into this. A couple thoughts on that. One, um, do you all ever do? Like, I, I'm not a golfer, but people who do golf do these things called like scrambles where basically you have teams and uh, maybe there's four people on your team and you're, you're playing 18 holes of golf. And then uh, you, you get to choose uh, on any given hole, like whose shot you're going to go with. So if someone has a good drive or a good putt or whatever, you can use their thing. Do, do you ever compete against each other where you get into teams of three or four people and have, you know, have some sort of code challenges that you're, you're trying to golf towards and, and get the lowest score on? I mean, maybe Pwn has had more experience with this, but I think it's it's kind of like, you know, uh, like it's an all v all kind of situation, kind of battle royale in, in a way, because, you know, like obviously the research that we did for Vue.js uh, is, you know, like is there, but if you are trying to do a code golfing situation to get the shortest payload, like you want to find that right. Like obviously you want to collaborate with people sometimes too, but like, you know, you, you want to be the one that finds the, you know, the smallest payload. The shortest, yeah. 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 But obviously without doing collaboration and without doing kind of research, you know, together in, in a different headspace, sometimes those things won't be found, but you know, I would leave it to poem function to maybe comment more. Um, yeah. Uh, me personally, uh, I, I look at there's, there's a Stack Exchange called CodeGolf.Stack Exchange, I believe. Um, people post uh, good questions there. Uh, uh, from time to time, I try to take a look, try to take a look at it, and uh, you know maybe try my best to get it as short as possible. But most often, you know, I just suck at it. But really, yeah. But in terms of um, in terms of Vue.js, um, I guess I kind of cheated a little bit because. Um, uh, you know, I just kept reading the documentation quite a bit, and eventually there was this beautiful thing waiting to be discovered. So <laughs> uh, I used that and got the shortest one. But yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like I like you know, in, in reading your blog post and in listening to some of the other podcasts you've done on this blog post topic, uh, just the emphasis on reading the docs, the emphasis of, of really understanding the frameworks. And I'm curious. So Mario on Cure Fifty Three at some point in time, it's been a while now. Um, he recommended a book called Parsing Techniques, a practical guide written by written by Dick Brune. I'm scared to death to read it because it, it looks really hard. But I'm curious, have you all dug into that book or other books to up your parsing game? Uh, I have not even heard of that book. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, what was the what was the name of it? It's called Parsing Techniques: A Practical Guide by Dick mm-hmm. Rune and Serial Jacobs. It was written a long time ago. Uh, yeah, I, did, yeah. I just I just looked on Amazon. It's a hundred dollars. No, thank you. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, there's a Kindle version, which is a little bit cheaper. But uh, no, I've never actually seen that one. And to be honest, um, I guess the way some people kind of approach it is that, um, you know, they kind of build more like visual displays. Um, like there's some, I think there was some interesting research that was done recently into looking at bypasses into um, DOM Purify, 
which mm-hmm. um, if you take a look at how they were doing it, they were basically, um, you know, showing out the full stack tree of like basically how it was being evaluated, which is, is obviously that's a good representation of like how to like kind of find these types of issues. But no, I've never looked at passing techniques in general. Uh, I personally am kind of a bit more of, I, I probably need to up my game in this sense. I'm a bit more of a brute forcer by nature and just kind of like to like physically play by do and see if anything happens. And then if that, doesn't really fluid flourish, then start to look at the code. Um, and then obviously, you know, reading documentation, looking at the code, but maybe I do need to go take a more computer science based kind of approach to actually being able to like, you know, find more nuanced and esoteric type issues in, in these types of things. Yeah, well, if it's work, if it's working, why, you know, I break it up. But yeah, Mario, Mario is one of my heroes. The stuff that Cure 53 puts out is uh, quite impressive. Okay, so a couple of questions for for our listeners because you know there's a lot a lot of terms that are used in your blog post. A lot a lot has changed with cross site scripting in the last five or ten years with the rise of the different JavaScript frameworks. I know Pwn Function. You 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 don't even like XSS or cross site scripting. You just want to call it JavaScript injection. <laughs> can you talk a little bit about just like if we can go through some basics? Like what is a script gadget? Like if you're explaining to a sixth grader what a script gadget is, what is a script gadget? Um, right. Um, okay, that's a challenge, but <laughs> uh, uh, I, right. Do you want me to go first? Pwn function. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's a better choice. Yeah, I, I will. I will absolutely try my best for a sixth grader. That's going to be very challenging, as, as you said. But so the way what a script gadget is in my in the way I try and explain it is script gadgets are HTML, which are essentially being evaluated by JavaScript. So Let's say that you have some some HTML elements. If you have some, you know, a framework that's on the page, that might process that, which then ultimately gets evaluated into, into JavaScript. So things like directives in Vue would be essentially classed as a script gadget because you have this HTML directive that, without the framework itself, would do nothing. But yeah. when you um, actually get that and it's rendered by Vue, it then becomes JavaScript and it gets evaluated in in a, in a way that kind of can be executed. Um, I don't know if that's the if that yeah. was simple, but uh, yeah. I'll pass it over to Pwn to maybe kind of give a different flavor on it. Okay, so script gadgets are essentially uh, like think of it as like little helpers uh, for executing JavaScript at, at the end. So in terms of uh, cross-site scripting, these may not be uh, direct payloads, but these are small little helper. Uh, help a piece of code um, that might be useful for you to get code execution at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. that's how I would, you know, probably phrase it. And this is why he has the popular YouTube channel. <laughs> I like it. And, and so another, some other terms. So describing expression-based vectors and mutation cross-site scripting. So, you know, the, the standard cross-site scripting that most people are familiar with are the reflected and stored and, you know, even DOM cross-site scripting. But um, can you talk a little bit about DOM cross-site scripting and mutation cross-site scripting and and what the differences are there? Uh, Sure. Um, I'll start with maybe DOM. Uh, So DOM XSS entirely happens on the client side. So user input lands in some sort of a a JavaScript API, Uh, maybe a function, maybe an assignment, whatever that might be. Uh, but at the end of the day, user input landing in a JavaScript API that gives you, you know, JavaScript execution at the end of the day. 
So that's that's the DOM. But mutation is more like um, uh, these weird uh, browser behaviors, um, which shouldn't give you XSS in the first place. But due to some changes done by the browser, uh, you get uh, XSS. Uh, you, you're you're kind of trying to make the um, browser get confused or in a in a way that it, it's parsing things or executing stuff. Uh, but yeah. Uh, you kind of trick it to uh, believe and execute something that's uh, supposed to be safe, but it's not safe. I don't know if that made sense, but yeah. I think you explained the DOM side of things better than I would have. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, so the, the way I perceive both of them, so DOM-based cross-site scripting, whilst you know we, we always said that it only happens on the client, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the data doesn't come from the server. Um, so the, the way I perceive DOM-based cross-site scripting is that anything that has some type of JavaScript kind of involvement, such as an inner HTML assignment or an eval, um, because like, yes, you have traditional cross-site scripting, but that is normally when user input is being treated as part of the HTML body from either like a reflected sense or a stored sense. And that is like the traditional cross-site scripting. But I like to see... Um, DOM-based cross-site scripting in the way of, you know, you may have this, you know, send a request off and then it gets evaluated uh, in an inner HTML, evaluated and then assigned to inner HTML, then that would be what I would class as DOMXSS. And then I guess when it comes to the mutation sense, obviously parent function nailed it on the head. It's more of trying to get either a framework uh, to either pass data that may um, convert it into something which wasn't valid HTML or JavaScript to then be evaluated in, in the correct sense. And this can happen, obviously, either through a framework manipulation, or it can happen via the passing of the actual browser itself, because things like SVG and you know uh, CSS, etc. I'm not an expert in this, but from what I've read from, obviously, the people that are doing this research have obviously mentioned that there are different passing engines that essentially process this. So that, that those are my two interpretations. Gotcha. Yeah. And like, I think in your blog post, the, the classic example is the jQuery text um, in Vue.js being able to, to get around that. So there's HTML encoding happening on the text function, but then the way that Vue handles it, you can actually get it to, to trigger. Yeah, I would class that more as a script gadget uh, yeah. in a way, uh, because it's actually, no, maybe not, maybe not. Hmm. So you obviously you have I would I like to class that as silent sync. So I don't really know where it would fall in in the territory because it's definitely not a uh, I wouldn't say it's a it's a mutation XSS because okay. it's basically yeah I would not call that mutation XSS. I would call that probably just DOM based cross site scripting because it's basically happening through JavaScript functions. It's like DOM based XSS via a script gadget. <laughs> I think. I think, like, if I had to like think about it visibly, so like you have jQuery, which you have dot text, and by default, if you do script alert one or image source equals x in there, it's going to, you know, those HTML special characters are going to get in output encoded, right? Whereas if you have, uh, you know, this value, you're using um, curly braces, which are essentially interpolation uh, of the frame of of Vue.js. It happens also with AngularJS. Like these are two. It happens with other frameworks too, but. AngularJS and Vue are the only ones that will uh, don't have things like ahead of time compilation. 
So you have, you know, these curly braces that will not be output encoded, which then obviously get evaluated by the framework. So I would guess it would be a, uh, I guess we used to call that expression injection, uh, I guess via, via a silent sync. Uh, yeah, that's completely convoluted. It sounds probably really weird to a lot of people, but uh, that's, that's how I would interpret it. So uh, this is me showing my age. I don't watch that many YouTube videos on things and, and follow people. You know, most of the, the learning that I do is through books or through blog posts or sometimes even podcasts. But I realize I'm getting older and that there's all these mediums for knowledge transfer and learning that that younger people are doing. And I'm curious, phone function, you're 23 and you've ramped up very quickly in understanding browsers, JavaScript frameworks, different types of malicious intent with these frameworks. Like what, as a younger person, what do you do to stay up on things and to learn? And who are, you know, besides, I think, Live Overflow was mentioned earlier, who are some of the YouTubers that you follow um, that put out good content? Um, uh, personally, to stay up to date, um, I do a couple of things. I um, follow a bunch of people on Twitter and also on GitHub uh, because all the updates are going to be shown in the feed. Uh, even on GitHub, you, you just see if somebody starts something, it's a new exploit out, whatever that might be, a new research, uh, things like that. And Twitter, again, people post all the time. Um, and uh, I use TweetDeck for that, uh, a couple of hashtags and stuff like that. Um, from time to time, um, uh, try to look at, uh, you know, security news, I guess. Um, but other than that, a lot of uh, video watching. Uh, uh, I watch a lot of talks, uh, you know, Black Hat, uh, other, other ones. Um, and also I, you know, follow, a, uh, maybe maybe I, I have a list. I should pull that up probably. Um, list of people that I um, really enjoy watching. Uh, John Hammond, uh, Live Overflow, obviously. And uh, there's some of um, some other ones. I can't really find it, but yeah, there, there's a bunch of ones I can I could probably give you after the show. Uh, but yeah, I'd love that. Yeah, one of the one of the tricks I have a whole bunch of kids, and when they're really young and they wake up in the middle of the night watching black hat videos at three in the morning, rocking the baby to sleep is a great great. Thing to do. <laughs> okay, so we talked a little bit about mutated cross-site scripting. I did notice this morning there was a mutation cross-site scripting bug identified in the, the Bleach library which is a sanitization library. I know you all have talked a little bit about some of the stuff with Dom Purify um, recently. I'm curious, uh, again, getting to like how to get good at things. If you all have read or dug deeply into the Cure 53 browser security white paper that came out a couple years back, um, the book, The Tangled Web by Michael Zalowski, which talks a lot about the, the nuances to the different browsers and how it makes security t- tricky. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely read both. Um, so obviously, I've read The Tangled Web. It sits on my shelf. <laughs> I've, I've read it twice. It's a very good book. And obviously, if you've never gone to his uh, blog as well, he has a really good doomsday um, kind of like tip scenario. So if you are in a doomsday scenario, what would you do to stay alive? It's, it's actually really good. And obviously, he's a very smart man. I worked at, you know, Google, Snapchat, etc. I personally haven't read either of them. Uh, yeah, I should, uh, but uh, yeah, I haven't, uh, you know, checked check them out. Um, but uh, what, how I did everything, uh, whatever I, whatever I do, uh, what, how would I say this? Whatever I learn uh, is by pretty much experimenting it on my own. Um, um, 
maybe I'll look at some JavaScript API and then look them up on the documentation, MDN, whatever that might be. And then if it's interesting, I'll look at its side effects, read some specification, and then come back and do a bunch of trials. Um, and maybe take some breaks along the way, uh, you know, uh, give some headspace and then come back. You might have some other ideas and try it out. So that's what I did almost. Um, I haven't read Tangled Web, but I have bought it. I should read it at some point, but I haven't been able to, uh, but I will. Yeah. Obviously, the Tangled Web, it's, it's not an easy read. Uh, to be honest, you know, it's, it's very interesting because it shows you all the different types of browser quirks. And like, you know, if, if you take a look, so Mario has, has a wonderful uh, kind of um, a blog, not a blog, uh, they, they sell a course. Obviously, I don't work at Kill 53. I'm not trying to promote this stuff, but I've gone through the training so I can talk about it. And they have this kind of image of like all these different layers of food and different pieces of cake. And that's, that's kind of like how the web is kind of described. So you have all these layers and multiple different layers um, that essentially have um, different nuances. And just because they're specifications, it doesn't mean that the browsers actually kind of conform to them. And that's what the Tangled Web and also, I guess, uh, the browser research kind of shows is that things aren't really the same in every browser. So you may have an issue that you may find in one browser might not be applicable to another or one change in one browser may actually kind of add some privacy implications to things. And that's what I thought it was good. And I, I wouldn't say like reading these things aren't going to make you an expert, but they are going to give you an understanding of the different types of mechanisms and you know, processes that happen under the hood when it comes to a browser. Like, you know, what happens uh, in some browsers where you add a, you know, um, so like the old kind of authentication with username and password, uh, you know, and with the at symbol, for example, uh, you, that can, in some browsers, would just go to like example.com if you included the value after that. Or like, for example, in Firefox, it would used to warn you that you're going to a potentially different website than you thought you were going to, for example. Uh, obviously, that doesn't, you know, talk about different bugs, but it just talks about, you know, the nuances around how these things happen. Um, but yeah, so I think they're great resources, you know, they're not necessary for you to become like, a, a, you know, knowledge in, in the space in general, but they are a good primer if you do want to get some knowledge. And, you know, reading a book and reading a, a, like a basically a very long paper isn't for everyone. And like, that's probably why, you know, persons like Pwn Function enjoy like either like, you know, just by doing and like watching like videos and maybe different kinds of medium because I, I, I'm, the, I'm in a similar situation. I have seen John Haben's YouTube videos, Live Overflow, Pwn and... You know, whilst I already have a good concept of those things, hearing it from a different perspective sometimes sparks something in your mind. Like seeing like Gareth's work on making the, the payload shorter uh, for code golfing kind of sparked my interest to then go and take a look at other things. So yeah, it's it's the, it's the same the same all around, I guess. Yeah, and, and there's no escaping hands-on keyboard and there's no escaping being able to, to stop things and look at what's going on at that moment in time. In your, in, I don't know if it was in the blog post or, or a different podcast you did, but you, di you did talk a little bit about in the course of your research on Vue.js that you would spend a fair bit of time spinning up projects and, and you know, exploring, exploring what was going on. How, I'm curious, as you do these types of things, how much, how much of it is, is reading and writing and how much of it is playing around in the browser in terms of a time percentage roughly? Do you want to hear a funny thing that we talked about uh, this week? So, so someone someone just actually released um, like a 
uh, a vulnerability in in the Chrome in in the extension in the in the, the dev tools for Vue. It, it got fixed. It's now been patched. And the funny thing about that is that we didn't even think about that in our research. So. Uh, just to kind of give a, a, an initial primer into like how much is done by reading, we spent a lot of time just focusing on the core components of Vue, but we didn't think about the entire ecosystem, which was a kind of like you know hand on head situation where we're like, damn, we should have done that too. Because <laughs> and like obviously, I, the phone function can talk about what he did. Uh, he like also submitted a pull request to it after you know that the initial fix was done, which you can talk about soon. But okay, so so from my perspective, you, I, to be honest. I would say for me, it's probably more reading, less playing, because um, uh, without, you know, just just playing, I, I get very frustrated if I don't really understand what's going on. And that obviously can lead to, you know, bad kind of work ethic practices. So I really like to kind of dig deep, read, understand, you know, maybe take a look at a bit of code. But I do like to, you know, build a skeleton to begin with to understand, like, kind of how things function. But I wouldn't want to just, you know, because you do, it's daunting sometimes to just go ahead and just try and like play with things and get nowhere. For me, at least personally, it, it is a challenge. It is, you know, difficult. And obviously it's, you know, when you find something, it's really like kind of, you know, you get that kind of thrill and all that adrenaline that comes, you know, rushing around your body. But, you know, I, I personally probably would say I, it would be like a 60-40 uh, at the it depends. Like at the beginning, it would be sixty forty reading, and then it would probably switch to a sixty play forty read once you kind of get an understanding of everything. If that makes sense, it does. Yeah. So, Poen, uh, I'll pass it on to you now to talk about the uh, uh, the issue with the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, the um, um, so here's here's what I did uh, to um, sort of uh, do the research. So I did small incremental, uh, you know, uh, progress. Uh, I just you know, wanted to have a playground, uh, just um, slam in some uh, Vue.js code and then get started, do as much as possible. And then if I want some extra things, um, I'm trying out new things, I'm trying to debug something, then I would go ahead and find uh, a tool that could help me do that. Uh, we did, uh, you know, a small incremental kind of progress over time. We uh, focused on using tools such as dev tools. And also uh, some uh, core components, which are kind of separate, uh, which are like Vue.js. Uh, they have a template compiler. We use that to specifically compile templates into, uh, you know, render functions that that is fed into Vue.js at the end. Uh, but yeah, we, we used as much as uh, possible that's provided for the developer and for testing and everything else. And then we um, use the whole thing to uh, continue with the research. But yeah, on the uh, on the commit recent uh, recent universal XSS on uh, Vue.js uh, Chrome extension, that was cool. That was uh, I guess uh, Gareth told us uh, about it. He was probably looking at uh, some issues uh, on Vue.js, and he came across this universal XSS. It was it was yeah, we could. It was not that hard to find at all. Uh, but we just were so focused on the framework. We uh, didn't even look at any of the other things. We we actually use Dev Tools to break. I mean, or to create uh, a lot of uh, these um, script gadgets, but we never looked into the Vue.js Dev Tools itself. So yeah, that's kind of a blind spot, I guess. Uh, but recently there was a fix for that. Uh, I guess the reporter uh, reported it multiple times. They didn't respond to it, uh, but. Eventually, he or she, I don't know who that is, but um, they, uh, 
you know, went and um, created an issue on GitHub. And um, I guess they t- took a look at it and they quickly tried to fix it, but it was it was an obvious error. Uh, so I had to fix that again and, and give out a pull request and it was merged and now it should be safe, I guess. Gotcha, yeah. And that, that kind of, it gets to just the amount of research that's needed in these frameworks for, you know, the, the full ecosystem. In something you said earlier, not on this talk, but on another one, there was there was some chatter about what hit the floor, what didn't make the blog post. So um, one, I'm curious, what else did you learn that didn't make the blog post? And then two, uh, Pwn Function, you talked about, you know, there were, there were elements like view router or server-side rendering, other things that, you know, others others can pick up the mantle on and, and, and run with. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that pwn function and Lewis? Um, yeah, sure. Um, uh, there were probably, um, yeah, there were there are a lot of surface out there still. If you try to look at the code, how it parses uh, the whole HTML templating, uh, you can still find some weird behavior in there. Uh, so. A lot of it was, you know, kind of stripped away and we started to focus more on, uh, you know, uh, initially it was more about code golfing and getting the shortest payload and maybe trying to find every every way uh, of uh, executing code with Vue.js, uh, but eventually turned out into uh, more of um, uh, more of mutation access and Gareth mostly focused on this and uh, later we joined in and um, did some stuff, uh, but uh, along the way there was, I guess, a release uh, uh, blog post for Vue three, and we init- uh, initially we were just using Vue two, and we had to make a change, and we also had to look into uh, Vue three as well. Uh, so we tried to we tried to do everything that we did in Vue two into Vue three, kind of like porting the game or whatever. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 mostly took uh, our time. Uh, what was the other question? Um, I keep forgetting stuff. Yeah, it was around. Um, I did too. I need another cup of coffee. It was around. It was around. Uh, like, what did we? What, what didn't we what cover that floor. was supposed to go? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What hit the floor on the blog post? Where if you had another two thousand words to publish? Um, I guess Lewis can take over this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, so I mean, what I remember, uh, like we had, like we wrote like an entire piece on like how you would start to even identify these things, uh, but it was just way too long, and it and like the, the blog post was already too bloated as it was for what it was. And as 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 Pone mentioned, we ha- we were in a position where, when we first started to write the blog post, it was nothing to do about script gadgets and also um, kind of evading defenses. It was more about just being like fun things. And then we actually got. Um, Another person from Ports were good to review it, which is James Kettle. And he was basically like, this is all like just script gadgets and like, you know, uh, basically getting the, the framework to kind of process payloads. And uh, obviously there could have been more research done uh, around some of the things, but it was primarily around like the process um, also a dif- different vectors that we had. We had hundreds of different vectors that would have been cool to input, but it would just would have made the, the blog post un- unreadable. Uh, and obviously, a lot of that stuff did end up going into things like the cheat sheet. But I think even the cheat sheet is missing some of those things because, you know, once you have like, like five payloads, I would say that that's all you really need. Uh, like, you know, t- to be honest, it depends, right? Uh, because you know, you might, depending where you are in an inje- in injection context, um, it, you know, it totally depends on 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 the context, really. Uh, I do want to kind of bring up though. Um, 
which was kind of a, an interesting point. So when we released the blog post, uh, and obviously we tweeted about it, Evan Yu, from who the creator of Vue.js, basically tweeted um, that this only happens if you are, you know, vulnerable to cross-site scripting, uh, or if you if you have an injection area, and if you do, and that's the one thing we recommend, like you don't do, and like this is what our security guidance say not to do, and it's very, very don't do that. <laughs> it's very it's very true. Like um, m most frameworks have some security page which say don't do these things. However, there are very nuanced scenarios such such as the the universal XSS that happened in uh, the, the actual uh, dev tools itself. That's a good indication of that too, because um, they, it, the vulnerability for the universal XSS happened in the toast function of. Uh, so like basically a toast is like normally just like you know giving like a notification of like either an error or something like that, and there have been hundreds of security penetration tests that I have performed where due to a framework. Um, due to a toast function of either like, you know, using, you know, toast or jQuery to like kind of push it to a toast, uh, it would lead to things like, you know, uh, XSS due to the framework. And by default, it wouldn't have been vulnerable without without the framework. So so there, like, basically my, what I was trying to get at there is that just because it's in the security documentation doesn't mean that developers won't make those mistakes. And it is easy to make. But like in reality, if you do it, the view way, if you do it the Angular way, if you do it the React way, you aren't really going to, you know, have cross-site scriptings to a certain degree. But you know, we saw in Signal uh, they were using the, the dangerous APIs that led to RCE in the desktop at the Electron application. You know, we've seen, uh, you know, McDonald's, uh, which basically had reflected uh, Angular JS XSS that led to people's passwords actually being stolen because they were encrypted on the client side with the same IV, et cetera. So like there are, you know, loads of, uh, you know, organizations that have fell victim to security issues due to using frameworks. So, you know, just because it's in the security documentation doesn't mean it's not going to be, have those issues. That's what, that's yeah. what I was trying to get at. And to, and to that point, it's been a while since I've really touched Vue in any sort of professional way, but my experience with Vue is that there's a number of, like web agencies that are building marketing websites or, or websites that are mostly marketing, but have some functionality. And, and one of the, one of the things that some of these agencies like about Vue is the ability to pull it in on just, you know, specific pages loaded as a script. Can you talk a little bit about what, what Evan, you was saying around kind of the, the intended way of using Vue and then also the way the real world works, and especially in relation to like ahead of time compilation and, and that dynamic. So, so obviously, I just want to obviously make make the point that I believe Vue does have an AOT provider, but by default, you can just include it as a script. So obviously, if, if people were doing AOT, I believe with Vue, this would be less likely because it wouldn't be evaluating, um, you know, Vue expressions outside of what's already been rendered. However, um, yeah, so I guess maybe Pwn function has a better kind of interpretation for this, but in, in the fact that you know most of the demo the demos that people use aren't using things like server side rendering, uh, they're just using like you know a, like a counter which is you know pulling in the latest distribution and then just putting it all in on the client side. Uh, from my personal opinion, developers probably begin at the route you know novice users of the framework uh, or library, however you want to interpret it, probably use the. Uh, intended include as a script and then utilize it that way. And then I guess as pe as developers start to evolve and start to like use it, um, you know, 
more heavily over over the time that they're using it, they might start to transition to server side rendering, and obviously, you know, render things ahead of time and have all these things kind of like there. That's my interpretation. But I am not a developer by trade these days. Uh, Vue.js was actually at one point one of the most downloaded npm packages, um, which obviously is a very insane number. Uh, like it's 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 so popular now. It's heavily used all over the world. Uh, its traction, I believe, keeps getting better. I um, yeah, so it's a very popular library. I don't see it going any, away anytime soon. I can see that they are bringing out some new features. And obviously, there are lots of potential security concerns, which is why, you know, you mentioned earlier about like people trying to get involved in taking a look at things like server-side rendering, etc. Because uh, if you, so like Next.js, for example, is a very popular server-side um, kind of uh, uh, React framework that you can use to kind of build, you know, responsive, you know, server-side backends mainly using React as a front end. So that's Next.js. And at the beginning, Next.js had a bunch of vulnerabilities that I believe might, may have been Orange Tengsai that found those issues, but he found a bunch of like tons of issues at the beginning. Obviously, it's a very secure framework <clears throat> these days, um, but obviously, you know, these things do have consequences and may have issues themselves, such as like XSS in the error pages, for example, on the default routes and so on. So, um, kind of went off on a tangent, but hopefully that made sense. <laughs> uh, I'd like to add uh, something to the Vue.js thing. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's true that if you use it in an insecure way, uh, you could get XSS um, on, on a Vue.js application. But um, let's say a scenario might be having two domains. One uses Vue.js, the other one doesn't, uh, but you have um, XSS on the other one, which doesn't use Vue.js, but there's a CSP for that, uh, which only sort of, uh, you know, uh, lets you include um, CDN libraries that they have provided. So in that kind of scenario, you could just import, uh, you know, Vue.js library, even though the app doesn't use it, and then bypass CSP with the script gadgets. So things like this can happen quite a bit. Um, I had one situation uh, that I ran into recently, which was kind of similar. Uh, so yeah, that's 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 just one thing that I wanted to add. Uh, you, I, I'm curious. So like this was you know back in October. What are you all now working on? Are you still collaborating on some stuff and, and digging into something new, or or is that still creative license? Don't want to talk about it. I'm gonna gonna just zip my lips here. No, so, so we are uh, we are thinking about continuing a new research project, and I don't want to kind of give away the, the good juicy stuff that we're looking at. But uh, I think myself, Gareth, and Pone are going to work on a project this year and see how it kind of flourishes. And you know, if if we succeed, then maybe we can uh, come back on the podcast and talk about it. But at the moment, I'm I'm focusing on um, kind of content creation in my spare time. So, like you know, I've had a lot of inspiration from you know. Pwn and Live Overflow and, and John Hammond, et cetera. And like during COVID, I started to um, like stream like my like video games on Twitch. And now I'm kind of transitioning more into trying to um, do like kind of like, you know, similar styles to this, but more with a video facing format. Uh, so like that's been like a fun kind of like outreach and, and learning process. And Pwn has definitely been giving me some tips on how to, how to go better and up my, up my, up my YouTube game. Uh, but yeah, we definitely are working on something. I personally want to continue taking a look at client-side frameworks, but uh, I also want to kind of continue. Like I gave a, a, video, a presentation last year, I believe, at uh, OWASP Portland, which was on uh, uh, 
you know, JavaScript. And I'm actually going to be uh, doing a YouTube series on, on the OWASP top 10. So uh, because that was the most recommended <laughs> uh, like poll that I put on Twitter. So that will be happening soon as well. But yeah, we are working on something. It will be related to client-side frameworks. Uh, just stay tuned, I guess. Yeah, we had a lot of fun together. Uh, so we thought of, uh, you know, maybe uh, trying something else again at some point. And uh, we think we have something potentially interesting that we want to look into. Uh, we'll see how that one goes. And then maybe uh, we'll... Uh, we'll come back and research uh, and talk about it, maybe. Are you all, I know right now it's it's a weird time where there's not as many conferences and the conferences they are, they're all digital, but are there any conferences that you're going to be speaking at soon that you want us to, to let our membership know about or or Pwn Function, any uh, new YouTube videos that you're working on that, that we should let people know? Um, I haven't personally, um, you know, um, I, yeah, I don't go to, conferences or talks that much um uh, i just sit in my house all day uh, pretty much <laughs> uh, too lazy to get out uh, but either way um uh i won't be speaking any anytime soon anywhere but uh, i am thinking of uh, but i i think i'm, I'm not thinking I'm, I'm i'm sort of um you know uh starting to make videos on um low level things uh you know, buffer of flows, reversing yeah. and things, things of that nature uh, alongside of web uh, because it's so far, it's just been application security. I just wanted to do other things as well simultaneously. Uh, I started out learning low-level uh, things and then moved into web security uh, probably like two years ago. So yeah, new videos on probably Linux security and uh, yeah. Very cool. Well, I, I just want to thank both of you for your time today, for your, your work in this field, you know, doing this research, writing these blog posts, making the videos, all of it takes a lot of intention and time and there's tons of distractions in the world. So thank you for your contributions and um, very much enjoyed talking with you today. Thank you. Uh -huh. I just wanted to give a shout out to, to, to one conference uh, before we before we end this. So there, there's Day of Security and it's essentially a, uh, you know, female or persons who identify as female uh, only conference. And so anyone who is female can um, attend for free. And it's run by a fantastic group of people. Uh, you know, male people can apply to give, com like, you know, give presentations, etc. But I would highly recommend checking it out if you're either uh, someone that could potentially sponsor it, or if you're looking to submit, I would personally be happy to, you know, help you um, you know, with your, you know, proposal and also if you got accepted with, with helping with, if you needed, if you wanted some assistance on, you know, how, like how to improve the slides or look at the slides, et cetera, be very happy to, to help anyone that, that may want to go down that route. Uh, it's a, I, I spoke last year uh, and got to meet some fantastic people, um, <clears throat> and, you know, hopefully contribute some knowledge sharing and it, yeah, it's, it's a very good event. And Lewis, what's the URL for that one? Um, that is a very good question. Uh, it's Day of Security of, on Twitter, and it's dayofshecurity.com. I, I will send it to you so you can share it out. But it's a fantastic event. Uh, a call for papers just opened and looking for sponsorship, uh, and it's going to be their fifth year of running. Uh, it's going to happen on, I believe, the 23rd of March. To hear this podcast again, visit anywhere a podcast is played. For more information, go to owasp.org forward slash www forward slash chapter forward slash Portland.